Welcome to the weekly podcast of Trinity Life Church. We are a local church that gathers in downtown Toronto on Sundays and all throughout our city during the week. Now our mission is to help people discover their identity and destiny in Christ so we can influence our city, our country, and our world. If you're looking for a place to call home, we'd love to have you. Our services are Sunday from 10.30 to noon at Jarvis Collegiate. Enjoy this week's podcast. So I get to, um, so Mike's off in the West Bank, and I got the two most fun things to talk about while he was gone. Last week, I got to talk about death, and this week, I get to talk about your wallet, all right? <laughs> Lucky me, right? It's all right. We're Christians. We don't believe in luck, just the sovereign hand of a loving and good God. So I, <laughs> today, I'm going to talk to you about generosity and how we can rethink generosity. And if you're a uh, if you're new or if you're visiting and you're like, oh, great, it's the first time I've come to church in five years, and here is the pastor talking about money. I knew it. All churches are just about money at the end of the day, right? Well, if that's you, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try my best to convince you that that's not the case, okay? And this is how I'm going to convince you. We've been going through a book of the Bible all year, Okay, and because we, we love the Bible, okay, and so we opened up to 1 Corinthians, which is a specific book written to a young urban church in a city that's very pluralistic um, by a pastor. It's a letter, a letter written to this church by a pastor who originally was a Jewish uh, leader, okay, who, and he was a very affluent, smart guy who had a lot of influence, who used to kill and murder Christians, and Jesus met him, and uh, he became a Christian. This is after Jesus died. He revealed himself to Paul, that's the name of this guy, and, uh, and, and said, hey, why are you persecuting me? Go love my church. And so Paul changed, literally changed his entire life from turning away from Jesus insofar as to murder Christians to turning to Jesus and starting to love the church. And so he wrote this letter to them, and uh, they got a whole bunch of issues, right? We talked about it last week. We, we're frequently recapping because it's easy to forget um, the entire context of the book when you spend a whole year in it, right? And so now we're at the last chapter. Woo! We're almost done. Um, and now he's finally gotten to money, okay? And so if you're that person who's like, oh, every time I go to church, they talk about money. Well, we just happen to be here. That just happens to be the thing that he's talking about today. And so that's the thing we're talking about today, okay? Last week, we talked about death. If you're here a few weeks ago or a few months ago, you would have been here when we were talking about the guy who was sleeping with his mother-in-law, right? We're just hitting these things as they come up, okay? So <laughs> um, that's, that's just where we're at, okay? Um, and what we're going to do is we're just going to jump right into the passage because there's a lot of work to be done. Because when we think about generosity, what I don't want us to think about is just money. Okay, I want to actually take a more holistic approach to generosity. And so there's a lot of work to be done because this actually covers, um, ideally, if we're a Christian, this covers all of our life. So, all right. Now concerning the collection for the saints... That's verse 1. There's no doubt he's talking about money, right? He's collecting money for them. So, uh, point number one is Christians are to be generous with their money. <laughs> There's no avoiding that, okay? Um, he, uh, Paul says, As I directed, 
uh, the churches of Galatia, so you are also to do. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up, okay? So here's, there's a couple things we can get from this already. Number one, um, when we're generous with our money, uh, Paul is telling them to be prepared in advance, right? He's not there, but he wants them to be ready. And so what he says is, give and store this up so that we can give this to other churches. And he's not just telling this one church to do it, he's telling other churches to do it, right? So we can be prepared well in advance as Christians to give our money, okay? We should, we should save our money in a way, we should budget and plan in a way that we can be generous uh, when things come up and when needs come up. Um, number two, when we're generous with our money, Paul's assuming here that they are part of a family network of churches that all do Acts 2 together, not inside of just their church, but collectively as the family of churches. And so Trinity Life, we're a part of a network of family of churches, okay? And in some ways, we're part of a denomination, the CNBC. We can consider that part of our family of churches, okay? But also, we're a part of, uh, of a network of family of churches called... Um, the global net or release, right? And so later we're going to be talking about how we support the wider family of churches um, and how we can engage the world with these churches together, which is really neat. So Trinity Life is a part of a larger network family of churches, which is awesome. So if you're, this is your church, you're doing that. Good for you. <clears throat> Number three, um, just when we think about being generous with our dollars, I just want to point out that Jesus talks about money about 25% of the time. So if that was, if we had to uh, teach like Jesus taught from the pulpit, okay, we would, at one Sunday every month would be dedicated to talking about your money, our money. Wouldn't that be fun? Who wants to do that? <laughs> All right, well, we're not going to, we probably won't teach about it that much, but um, don't be afraid if we talk about money a lot sometimes, uh, especially as we grow as a church. Um, Trinity Life is growing. There's a lot more people coming than there used to be. We need to be very intentional about how we grow in, with our dollars and finances as well. So, <clears throat> all right, Jesus talks about money more than anyone else in the scripture. So if if we're kind of in this position where we're like, yeah, I really like Jesus, and, you know, I really like all this stuff about love, and I really like all this stuff about um, spiritual gifts and all that, well, Jesus actually talks about money more than anyone else in the Bible. So if we really love Jesus, we should really love to hear what he has to say about our money. Jesus has very strong things to say about money, including do not love money, because we can't serve two masters. Uh, stuff like, and I'll just summarize, stuff like, Kingdom wins come with financial loss, okay? That sometimes we need to sacrifice in order to see the kingdom advance. And when we do that, we actually are storing up treasures in heaven. Like we talked about last week, everyone's going to die. Everyone's going to die. And all of your stuff here will be eaten up by moth and rust and decay, just the decay of this world that we can't hold on to and keep things, including our money, and we can't bring it with us. All we can do is pass it along. And we pass it along. We give away our money to build the kingdom, and we reap that reward later. That sacrifice brings joy. That actually for the Christian, that when we give away, even of our dollars, that it's actually a joyful process 
right? And that ultimately, it was God's joy for Jesus to come and ultimately die because that meant that in the resurrection that we all got to be brought into relationship with him, right? And so the ultimate sacrifice is actually the biggest joy for God. And so so should too for us as Christians. Jesus says things like it's not about the amount, but the sacrifice. If you have a person who gives, he's got $100 billion and he, and he gives a million dollars to Trinity Life Church, we'd be like, man, that guy's a really generous guy, right? He really sacrificed a lot. $100 billion, gave a million bucks. Well, actually, it's probably not very much, right? But Jesus says, there's a lady, all she has left is two pennies. That's all she has left. That's the entirety of her net worth, two pennies, and she gives it away to the Lord. And Jesus points her out in front of all the religious leaders who uh, he calls out for being so particular about their tithe. This is how particular they are. They tithed out of their spice rack. They tithed of their mint and their cumin and their cayenne pepper, right? 10% of everything. I bought this. I bought a a spice today. I need to take out 10%. I'm going to go deliver it to the temple for the Lord for his use in kingdom ministry, right? Like these are very particular people, 10% of everything, including the spice rack. And he calls them out and he says, what's that all about? Here's this lady. All she has is two pennies. And she gave everything. He also teaches us, when the disciples ask him to to teach them how to pray, he teaches us that God alone is who we need for our daily provision, not our bank account. Give us this day our daily bread. God alone works towards our daily provision, not our bank account. So it doesn't matter where our bank account's at. It matters that our God is good. All right, number two, from the text. We need to be generous with our hospitality. So we see this um, in verses five and six. And perhaps I will stay with you or even spend the winter so that you may help me on my journey wherever I go. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. So one, Uh, If Paul's going to stay with them, he's going to be teaching them, he's going to be exhorting them, probably rebuking them in some way, correcting them in some way, depositing spiritual gifts uh, to that church, and they're going to probably have to put him up for a while because he doesn't have a house there, right? They're going to have to put him up for a while. They're going to have to make him a bed and provide food and shelter, and, um, and that's on top of and above and beyond their normal giving and provision to the needy and the poor and uh, and just the people in their community who need help, right? If we're doing Acts 2 properly, they, they sold the, the possessions they had to provide to, for the people who were in need of the family of God, okay? So we need to be generous with our hospitality. And when Paul stays somewhere, right, he says, I'm going to stay for the winter. <laughs> That's at the minimum, right? Stay for the winter. So how long is the winter? Well, it's not a Canadian winter, so <laughs> maybe a few months at the least, like, that's a lot. Imagine if someone in your, was in your house. You have a one-bedroom apartment. Paul's sleeping on your couch all winter. <laughs> that's, that's been Emily and I's life for the last little while. We had first my brother stay for just shy of a month, and then we had a, my friend from Brazil stay for I don't know, a couple months, and then we had my dad stay unexpectedly for about four months. 
And sometimes we just have to do that. We have to give our hospitality. Um, so the question is here, who do we need to be more hospitable towards? When was the last time you invited uh, the leader of your ministry team over to your house for dinner? Right? Specifically, he's, he's putting them in a position where they have to be intentionally hospitable towards a church leader. Him. Paul. Right? The guy who started that church. Uh, take a ministry leader over to your, invite them over to your house and just give them of your best. Right? Make them a nice steak. Give them a nice glass of wine. Right? Not like yellowtail. Go to the vintage section, right? <laughs> Spend more than 10 bucks, right? <laughs> and be generous to the people who are in spiritual authority over you, right? That's what he's saying. Do something nice for them. And I know, I know how much you guys invite your ministry leaders over to your house for dinner. Because I'm one of them. <laughs> I know how often it happens, right? <clears throat> um, We need to be generous with our hospitality, both towards those in need, those in the family of God, and those in the family of God who are spiritual, in spiritual authority over us. Number three from the, from the text today, we need to be generous with our availability for mission. Okay, this comes uh, from uh, verse eight, but when I stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, but I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. We need to be generous with our availability towards mission. So Paul, number one, he saw that there were open doors. Okay? He's looking for open doors. He's looking for open doors. For what sake? To be with potential adversaries and share the love of Jesus and be on the mission of God. Where can we look for available open doors, even though it might look hard, even though it might cost us a lot, and even though we might have to be hospitable towards people we may not normally be? That may be that you have a ministry in and out of your home but it also may mean that you give up your home to go somewhere else to be available for ministry and mission. Missy, we love you. We care about you. We know your husband is in a dangerous place right now, and we're praying for him. And you're not alone. That even when, even when we go off to dangerous places, she's not alone. Her and her two kids. If something crazy were to happen, which it's not because God is good and he's going to keep Mike safe. But if crazy, something crazy were to happen, like Missy has us here. And so we can give ourselves even to dangerous calls to mission because our God is a good and loving God. And we, him and his generosity gives us a good and loving family to be with. So what parts of your life are closed down to the call of God? What where do you close the door on God even though God's opened the door for you to be available for mission? Is your wallet closed off to God to finance somebody else's call toward mission? 
Is your career closed off? God, I'm not, you cannot take this away from me. This is what I'm going to do. Hey, I want you to come to the West Bank and engage the world. Nope. I want you to sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and come with me to Africa. Nope. I got some accounting to do for some big telecom. Or I have my small business to run. I can't give that up. That's everything I have. How about your schedule? My work says I have to work on Sunday. So I won't hang out with the family of God. I won't come to read scripture. I won't come to pray. I won't come to be built up. I won't come to, uh, to be with the people who are filled with the Spirit, singing songs in the Spirit to the God of the Spirit because my schedule says I can't do it. I can't invite those people over to my house because I'm too busy. I can't make myself available to my non-Christian friends because my schedule says I'm too busy. How do you architect your schedule to be intentionally generous and available for mission in the call of God? And which areas of your life are closed to God's call? And for those of you who live very open lives, that you, have, you go through open doors, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you and exhort you to continue to do that because you will be a witness to our church. You'll be a witness to the people around you. And people will see how beautiful and available God is through your life. So thank you. Lastly, number four, we want to be generous with our submission to faithful spiritual authority. This comes from verse 10. When Timothy comes, see that you put him at ease among you, for he is doing the work of the Lord as I am. And if, even if we continue on to verse 11, so let no one despise him. Help him on his way in peace that he may return to me, for I am expecting him with the brothers. So Paul is telling them to be easy to lead. Be easy to lead, right? Put him at ease among you. Are your leaders at ease in leading you? Do they know that when they schedule you on the, on the calendar to, to serve the church in a particular way that you're just going to show up? They just know. That's a person of character. They're easy to lead. Do they know that uh, when it's time to, to gather to gather their team for some sort of teaching or training that you'll be available because you recognize that God is calling you to participate in the life of the church in this particular way. And so they, they're, they're pouring out of their time, their energy, their talents, and sometimes their dollars to make these awesome social times or training sessions to be available to you, to build you up in the spirit, to build you up in love so that you can be released to do the things that God's calling you to do. Are you easy to lead? And this just isn't just easy to lead in situations where we have these like really well-respected, older leaders, they're seasoned veterans of the faith. We know we can trust them as our leaders. We know that they have, they have done amazing things for the kingdom, right? Because that's not the situation that's going on right here. Timothy is a young leader. He's a young leader. He may be in his late teens, early 20s. And he's telling him, be, make him at ease among you. 
be easy to lead, even if he's young, even if he's new, even if he doesn't seem to know what he's doing, even if he says and does crazy things that maybe are a little bit different from what you're used to, right? Be easy to lead. Be generous in your submission to faithful and qualified spiritual authority. Timothy is a young leader, and he's learning to figure it out. Will he sin in his leading? Did he sin? Probably. Probably. Did he call them to follow him anyways and be easy to lead? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. You, we are, we're a young church. We just are. Like, I mean, look around. How much gray hair is in this room? Not much. Happy, we got you. You're going to keep us straight and narrow with, all, with your wisdom and with your life experience. You're like, you're like our dad. Right? We have another one right now. His name's Al. He's in the hospital, and we have a lot of you guys giving up of your time and being generous to be with him, which is amazing, so thank you. We don't have a lot of gray hair in this church, and we, we need it, to be sure. Young people don't know everything, right? We think we do, but we don't. But he's a young leader, and he's trying to figure it out, and we need to be easy to lead, even for young leaders who are inexperienced. Does that mean you don't call young leaders out on stuff? No, of course you do. I got called out this morning. <laughs> right? That's just how it goes. But that's the family of God, right? That if we really do love each other, we can be easy to lead, but we can also be generous with our leadership and humble in our leadership. So Timothy's spiritual gift is leadership, and so when he exercises it, uh, other people around will grow in the gift of leadership, and he may even deposit the gift of leadership into others, and also the spiritual gift of the church is able to be exercised as well because their spiritual gifts, um, Paul is, is insinuating, is probably generosity, right? He's asking a lot of them. Give to this other church that's in need. Give to me when I come. And be generous to Timothy as well. So there are probably some people there with the spiritual gift of generosity, and he's calling them to use it. Do what God has gifted you to do. Be whom God has called you to be, even to young leaders. I find that super encouraging, just myself as a young leader. There's a lot of times, um, there's a lot of times that I've made mistakes along the way, and uh, just part of, part of what we say regularly in our leadership meetings, we meet every Tuesdays, um, we pray as a team, we pray for you guys, we pray and ask God for vision, where are we going? Um, and... Uh, part of what we do and say to our young leaders is this is a safe place to fail. That you're allowed to fail here, and we're going to pick you back up, we're going to dust you off, and we're going to push you forward to keep going in what God has called you to do. So, <clears throat> all of this to say um, that Christians, we don't own the things we have, we steward the things we have. Okay, and so this is our mentality shift. That if you think the clothes you are wearing right now, the car that you drove here, maybe even the bus pass you used to get here, your pots and pans at home, your home, your food in the fridge, if you think that's yours, and now, that, now we're asking you to be generous with the things that are yours, that's not Christian thinking. That's not how we view the world. We need to rethink this if that's our position. So Christians, our position, our call in this life is not to ownership, but to stewardship. 
And this is the difference. An owner says, this is mine, I own this, and so I will give a little bit of what's mine to somebody else. And I will use it to finance my life, I will use it to finance my family, I will use it to finance the things that maybe God is calling me to do. A steward says, everything I have is God's. And so God, of the things that you have given to me, how much should I keep? How much should I keep? Not how much should I give away of what's mine, but how much should I keep of what's yours? Stewardship is the Christian call. So in our covenant uh, to, with, to and with our members, um, we talk about three specific areas. And we just did a covenant members, uh, what do we call it? Uh, celebration, we'll say, where new people have said, hey, yes, this, we believe God is calling us to be fully involved in this family. Right? And so they put up their hand and they say, yes, that's me. I believe what this church is about. I believe that God is here. I believe that this is a place where I can be held accountable and encouraged towards the call that God has placed in my life to do all sorts of amazing things. Um, it, this is my church and I want to be a part of it. So let's covenant together before the Lord. This is my family. I'm here. I'm committed. This is it. This is my church. There are three, three things that we kind of use um, as a way to think about how we can be generous, okay? So, generous with our time is number one. Generous with our talents is number two, and generous with our treasure. So if you are a covenant member, you remember that we went through this together, either you and I, or Mike and yourself, or maybe even if you're really old, but still without gray hair, member of Trinity Life Church, you might have done it with Daniel and yourself as well. So. Uh, we've all gone through this. We've been generous with our time, our talents, and our treasure. And just a couple things, just that I felt God was placing in my heart for where we're at as a church, um, that we need to think about as far as our time, number one, is uh, we need to be generous with our Sabbath. This is, this is hugely convicting for me, just as a person who uh, this year has become a dad. I run a business. We planted the church. Um, there's just so many things to do. There's so many things to be a part of. There's so many things to participate in. And it's, we're just busy, right? We're bu we have cell phones. We have lights that enable us to be busy, not just during the day, but all through the night, right? We have the internet, which lets us not just be busy where we are right here, but lets us be busy somewhere else in the world as well. It's just crazy. There's just so much to do. There's so much to think about, and there's so much going on. There's a lot to be busy about. Um, so we need to be generous to ourselves with our Sabbath. This is what we can easily do. And uh, we can book a vacation. We can get a nice spot. But how do we, what do we usually look for as Canadians and Torontonians? What do, we, what do we usually look for when we go on vacation? Anybody? What's... Sunshine! Right? Yeah, totally. What usually comes with sunshine? Beach, sand, water, right? Anything else with that? Archie, I know you just went out. What was it like? Was he serving in kids? See, what a generous guy. <laughs> He's serving? Awesome. They had a swim-up bar. They had an all-you-can-eat buffet, right? It's the things we look for. <laughs> but what would happen, what would happen, and this does happen, 
this does happen because what you can often, oh, there's Cindy, you're here. Yeah, did you guys have those things? Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. <laughs> what can so easily happen is what do you do? You bring your laptop with you. You bring your phone with you. And you have all your kids and they're having a great time in the pool and you find a nice little uh, lay down chair. What do you call them? I don't even know. <laughs> with the little slats and you know, some, sometimes you just, your arm goes all the way through and they're just awesome little chairs, right? They're, just, they're so comfy and you got a nice umbrella. You got your swim up bar right there so you can get a drink, but you bring your laptop. And so your kids are playing, trying to have a good time. And, um, with each other, but eventually they get bored of each other and they just want to be with you. But what are you doing? You're on your laptop doing work while you're on vacation. And that happens, right? That totally happens. And so we don't actually Sabbath. We kind of work in an easy-to-work environment. We're not Sabbathing. We want to be generous with our time when it comes to the family of God, right? We touched on this from the passage, right? Generous towards leaders, generous towards uh, the people around us, right? And so part of that, one practical way we can do that here at Trinity Life Church is, um, is by making ourselves available for what we call body life, okay? And so many of you guys will immediately think of body life groups, like, okay, so what you're saying is I need to once a week uh, separate out my time to make sure that I go to do body life group. Is that what you're saying? Yes, but not just that. Okay? So yes, make intentional time to set aside to be with the family of God, but also, also experience and be generous with how you are available for body life. Because body life doesn't just happen once a week on a Wednesday night for two hours. Body life is this uh, idea that comes from Ephesians chapter 3 that, that for all eternity, the eternal purpose of God was, uh, was that God has been living this eternal life, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and, and inside of God's eternal life is perfect uh, joy and, and, and worship and affection and love and communication. And, and the eternal purpose of God was always to bring humanity into that. That's the church, that God wants the church. And if you're not a part of the church, you can uh, repent of your sin, meet Jesus, and become a part of the church, that he wants you to live his life for the rest of eternity with the church, but also, also with himself. That's body life. And so is that two hours a night once a week? No, it's not. No, it's not. That's just who we are, right? It's just who we are as people. And so we make ourselves available Yes, for that intentional set-apart time, but also with our life. Moving on. We, when it comes to our time, we need to be careful of, uh, of entertainment because we want to experience kingdom entertainment. What do we fill ourselves? What do we dedicate our time towards doing? Is it things that build us up or is it things that just fill our mind with nothing? And we need to be generous with our personal worship. So much, so much of what we struggle with is because we just don't worship. We just don't. And so, what can we do? I mean, the questions are always, 
I mean, we say sometimes like, oh, you know, that person's hurting and they're, you know, they're doubting. And say, so don't, don't go up to them and ask them how much they're reading their Bible. And don't go up to them and ask them how much they're praying, right? Well, actually, we should ask them those questions because at the minimum, if we've eliminated, yes, you're hurting and you're in a tough place and you are reading your scriptures and you are praying, you're spending time with the Lord and you're still hurting, you're still in a tough place, you're still feeling like God is is far from you, that's a different conversation because at the minimum, our life should be time with the Lord through the place in which he most consistently and constantly speaks because it is the place in which he has preserved all the ways in which he's spoken in the past. Are we at least there? Are we at, at the very least? What does your time with the Lord look like? Do you open yourself up in your personal worship for God to touch the, the hard places? Do we open ourselves up to just pour out on God not just all of our requests, but all of our thankfulness and adoration towards Him and who He is? That's worship not just asking for things. Time with the Lord is not just asking for things. Time, here's, <clears throat> here's how I can phrase it. If every time I saw my wife or every time I saw my daughter, I was asking them for things, how would they feel about that? <laughs> every time I saw her, hey, sweetie, did you do the dishes today? Hey, can you, uh, can you make sure that, um, that this gets done? Or, hey, sweetie, can you, uh, can you make lunch for me? And, hey, Hey, sweetie, like, I'm in a really tough place, so, like, can you massage my back? And I just need a, that would be really nice. And, hey, could you do, right? Like, that's not what she wants from me. We just want to enjoy each other's presence. We just want to enjoy each other as a couple. And it's the same thing with God. What does our time of personal worship look like? All right, talents. We're going to be generous with our spiritual gifts. Let's do a quick recap of, of uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Um, so our talents. One, this is how we can be generous. This all comes from First Corinthians. All stuff we've done already. Okay, just a reminder because it fits in with what we're talking about today. One, God determines which gifts we do and don't receive. Right? This puts us in a position of humility and appreciation for other people because God has gifted everyone uniquely, and so you all have a place. You all have a place in the body. You all have a unique place in which God is calling you to just be yourself right? That God's, God's life for us is that we would live the most fully human life, which is a life connected to him, a life that properly stewards everything that he's given us, that he's not calling us to be less human. He's not calling us to restrictions. He's not calling us to don't do, don't do, don't do, don't do, then I'm proud of you. That's not the life he's calling us to. He's calling you to be fully you. And so God determines which gifts we do and don't receive. And so we can be humble about the things that we enjoy and the things that we're good at. Number two, different people are given different portions of natural and spiritual abilities, right? And so some person may have the same gift as you, right? There's many different types of leaders in this church. There's many different types of people who have the gift of hospitality. Uh, there's, there's different types of people who have the gift of generosity, the gift of giving, right? That some people are supernaturally called to, to give above and beyond what, what the normal level of giving is in the church. And those are, those are people who have the spiritual gift of giving or generosity. And you, uh, we don't need to be jealous of each other because God has chosen how to apportion those gifts to in the way that he wants, right? And so some people may lead groups of three, 
Some people may lead groups of five. Some people may lead groups of 50 in this church. And if we continue to grow, which we are, some people may lead groups of 100 or 1,000. And that's okay. The person who's called to lead a group of three or equipped to lead a group of three doesn't need to be jealous of the person or desire to be the person who's equipped and called to lead groups of 100. That's fine because God apportions those gifts and works out how effective we are in them. That being said, our ability and our maturity are two very different things, right? That all of us in our spiritual gifts, uh, we want to and should desire to grow in our maturity in using them. We should desire that. We should desire to be mature. There are two different types of people, right? There's the Corinthians who are very immature. <laughs> we know this, right? And the whole time he's calling them to be mature. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. We should all, even those who we would consider very mature, still have a lot of room to go in our maturity. And that's fine. We steward our talents for the benefit of the entire church. Do you guys remember that? All right, the common good from 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that our spiritual gifts, we need to be generous because they're not just for us, they're for the building up of the body. Number five, our talents should compel us towards ministry and service, right? That if we walk around without love in the exercising of our gifts, we're just a clanging cymbal. We're, we're a noisy gong, right? That actually these gifts are for love and service towards other people. And every talent must be cultivated. We should grow it. We should want to grow it. Person who's leading one person, seek to cultivate your gift so that you can lead more people towards Jesus. And that's, that's okay. And that's different than immaturity. And that's different from being jealous of somebody who can lead more people than you, right? And number seven, we must be willing to serve outside of our area of talent if there's a pressing need. That's just the reality, right? That sometimes, sometimes there's a need in our church and God has given us certain gifts and you know what? Like, God also may call you to come outside of those gifts to do something that just needs to get done. What does that look like? Uh, so there were two pastors who started uh, this church and God called them together. And then I met them three months later saying, hey, God's called me to plant a church as well. And we all said, yeah, let's do this together. Um, and, uh, and I, what's, what's my part in that, right? So they, they had worked out their responsibilities and their things they were going to do. And, and, uh, and eventually they decided, hey, Adam, uh, we know you're not called to be a worship leader, but you're going to be the worship leader for the next three years. <laughs> and so, so I picked up my guitar, I pulled up YouTube, right? And I learned, how to, I learned how to get better at my, I could play a little bit, you know, but for those who remember those early days, like there was, there's a big difference between like year one and year three, the quality of worship at Trinity Life, okay? <laughs> and that's okay, you know, and I'm okay with that. And it's just the truth. So uh, sometimes we just need to do that. I know I'm not called to be a worship leader, but I led worship and released others to lead worship for three years because that's what we needed. So here, I know Mike usually has all these fun stories and all this kind of stuff, and this is very different from my sermon last week where it was pretty much all stories. <laughs> uh, but we, got, we just have a lot of work to do on this one, so thank you guys for bearing with me on the 
just point after point after point after point after point, okay? Because it's just stuff that we got to do as a church. We need to get through this stuff, and we just need to learn and grow. And there's so many different areas for us to talk about generosity because we don't, we don't do that weekend. We don't talk about money and generosity 25% of the time, so we're squishing it all into one sermon this year, okay? Is that okay? Sorry about that, but thank you guys for bearing with me anyways. Okay, so here are some areas of need that we have at Trinity Life Church that even though you may not feel equipped or called to do this, you are at this church and we have this need. And so please step up and do these things if you can for a season. No one's saying you have to do these things for the rest of your life. But we have this need right now. God is calling us towards mission and loving the city. And these are areas where we really need help right now. Even just a little bit of help. And yes, it will be tough because you will not be gifted and it'll feel like you're grinding your gears uh, a little bit. But sometimes you've got to lead worship for three years. Sometimes you just got to do it. Right? Okay. Number, number one, connections. Okay. Connections. We have, uh, Jamie, I'm going to call you out. We have an amazing connections leader right now. She just discerned the call from the Lord to, to enter into uh, a, kind of a discernment period for vocational ministry. She's like, you know what? I feel like God is calling me to ministry. Should I go into seminary uh, or not? And we said, just come and do ministry with us right? Just come and do ministry. And immediately God started gifting her this beautiful vision for connections. It's beautiful. And I'm not going to tell it to you. You should go talk to her about it because, man, it's just, it's awesome. And every time she shares it, it, I just get excited about where God is leading our church, okay? And, and not only, we gave her this one team, hey, can you lead connections? And then she's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to start five teams that are all now part of connections. And I'm like, whoa, girl, come on, what's up? <laughs> and uh, so now she's leading five teams. Um, and, uh, and, but we need some help because what, right now, um, and this is not a knock on Jamie. This is just where we are at, as a church right now because she just took this over. So this is not her. This is just the reality of where we are, right? Right now, if somebody was to come to our church and visit, they would get welcomed at the door. And that's awesome. And we need to keep doing that. And then they come upstairs. And this, this, this was me this morning, right? I very infrequently come in the front door. And so it's really weird for me to do that. But every once in a while, once a quarter, I do that. So I walked in the front door and I get to the top of the stairs and then I go, now what? There's nobody there, right? There's nobody to tell me where the bathroom is. There's nobody to tell me if it's okay to eat those bagels or how much they cost, you know? They're free, by the way. But you just don't know, right? Because that's not normal behavior, right? If I'm here with a car, I don't know where to park my car. And so please help with connections because we'd love to put people in the parking lots. We'd love to put someone down in the front steps just so we can be really generous and hospitable towards people coming here, okay? So connections is an area of need. Kid City, we have... Uh, same situation, an amazing new leader who's discerned the call to, uh, to push forward our Kid City program. We just really need some help there. We need people who, uh, even though it may be tough for them at first, we need people who want to invest in and pour into their kids, our kids, and pour into the kids who live in the city. Lastly is audio-visual, okay? We have uh, a couple people who have been, been serving very faithfully for a long time, but uh, it, they've, it's tough. 
because there's only one or two of them doing all of this audio and visual. And so it's really hard to build that team because there just aren't a lot of people to corral together to teach how to do things. Um, and there aren't anybody putting up their hands to say, yeah, I'll help with these things. I even know, like, I, I know probably about 5% of what you need me to know for this, but I'm willing to, to try it out anyways. Um, and so we need help with our audiovisual. And of course, there are plenty, other, plenty of other teams with these. Just are just really easy ways that on a Sunday you could, you could help out and be generous with your time. Lastly, or your talent, sorry. Lastly, your treasure. Christian giving goes like this. It needs to be generous, sacrificial, joyful, and regular. Anywhere in there did you hear 10%? No. No, Christian giving is not 10%. That actually what that is called is a tithe, right? Tithe means 10%. And in the Old Testament, that if you were to add up everything that the people were uh, told to give, which is where we get this idea of tithe, and tithe anyways, if we added it all up, the percentage is actually upwards of 25%. So if you give 10%, it's probably... That's like the bare minimum. The people were supposed to give 10% to the operation of the temple, the 10% to the regular feasts and festivals, and then the last five-ish percent is for other things like uh, benevolence and like they would leave, they'd be told to leave if you had a farm field, right? Don't, don't uh, harvest from the corners of the field so that the poor could just step up to the field, grab what they need out of the, uh, out of the fields and, and sustain themselves and survive off of that, right? And that could be another couple percent, just regular benevolent, all this kind of stuff. So it adds up to probably about 25%. If we're to be true Old Testament people and tithers, 10% is not it. It's not even close to the reality, right? So, generous, sacrificial, joyful. It's actually fun. You give, your, give a kid a gift and just see how crazy they go. Blakely just turned one. We did a birthday party for her. And like, she's just like over the moon, like ripping out uh, paper out of the bags. And, you know, she wouldn't get to the gift inside. You remember I told the story last week. So we'd have to like dump the gift out. And then she'd be like, oh my gosh, there's a present in there. <laughs> You're just so excited, right? And that brings us so much joy. That giving should be joyful. And so... As a church, this is a practical way in which we can be generous. Um, our, global, our global gift offering, okay? We are going to twice a year take up an offering um, for both global mission and local mission, and Michelle is gonna share more specifically about that. But if we are a family together as a church, um, we want to engage the world here, because the world is here, and we're in the world and we're here, so we wanna engage locally, but also globally. Right? So that's why we sent Mike off to the West Bank. What is going on in the world? God, where are you calling us to be and serve? And so we want to give above and beyond our normal, generous, joyful, sacrificial, and regular uh, giving. We want to give above and beyond that towards other things that are happening. And sometimes we look at what God is calling us to do and we say, that's impossible. I only make X amount of dollars a year and this is my rent and this is my phone and this is my food and this is... And here's a verse that 
Um, I just went to a, a conference in Texas, and there were all these pastors sharing these amazing stories about how God had provided for them, just out of the weirdest places. And this is the verse they talked about, um, and it was just so encouraging to me, and so I wanted to pass this on to you. This is from Isaiah um, chapter 45, verse 3. This is God speaking, I will give you the treasure of darkness and the hordes in secret places that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who called you by your name. Who owns Wall Street? God. Who owns the TSX? God. Who owns Apple? God. God owns everything. And there are people who are storing up hordes and treasures in secret places, and God will provide out of the weirdest of places, not just monetarily, but also practically the things that we need, right? And it's just going to happen because God owns it all. And ultimately, we know that God is going to be generous towards us. And as the band starts to play so that we can worship and sing together, we all know this verse, John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave he gave, and that's what we celebrate in communion. We're going to give of our money, our tithes and offerings. We're going to give of our breath towards song and worship and praise and adoration of him. We're going to give our repentance. We're going to give our sin to Jesus and say that we trust in you to transform because you gave your entire life so that we could be transformed and be generous. We see a man, Abraham, asked to give his son could we do that? God did that for us. So there's so much going on. There's so much to be excited about. There's so much. There's so many different ways in which we can be generous. And so let's pray right now that God would ask us to be transformed, to think about the things that he's given us in a new way. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you own everything. God, I thank you that you are such a generous God that God, it, is, it brings you so much joy to provide for us that God, when you spoke the world into existence, you marked yourself as the owner of all things. And you generously breathed life into us and released us into the world in which you had made. Help us to see everything we have as yours. Help us to ask, not how much should we give, but how much should we keep? Help us be generous with our time, our talents, our treasure. Help us to repent in areas in which we are not generous. Because God, you gave what was most precious, your own life and your own son. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to know more about the TLC community, check out trinitylife.ca or you can find us on Facebook. Of course, we'd way rather meet you in person, so we hope to see you at a service soon.